Welcome to the LDN Radio Show, brought to you by the LDN Research Trust. I'm your host, Linda Elsigood. I have an exciting lineup of guest speakers who are LDN experts in their field. We will be discussing low-dose naltrexone and its many uses in autoimmune diseases, cancers, etc. Thank you for joining us. We are proud to present a 2021 conference presentation recording by Dr. Kent Holtoff on autoimmune thyroiditis, which is in three parts. This is part one. Further presentations can be found on www.ldnrtevents.com along with webinars, the LDN Book 3, etc. I want to talk today about autoimmune thyroiditis as a core of hypothalamic pituitary dysfunction, mitochondrial dysfunction, obesity, and systemic illness. Okay, a little uh, wordy there, but, but what does that mean? I really want to uh, allow you to think of uh, the thyroid differently uh, as a part of everything is interconnected. And especially looking at when people have Hashimoto's, that you go to endocrinologist, that it's basically, you know, just, uh, oh, you got antibodies against your thyroid. No, it's a multi-system illness and it all goes together. And uh, we want to emphasize, we're at the LDN conference, about how immune modulators can really fix, uh, you know, all these problems of autoimmune thyroiditis. And you go to your endocrinologist, they basically go, oh, you got Hashimoto's, nothing you can do about it. Um, just take some Synthroid. Very, very, very bad, um, uh, basically plan. Um, you can fix it, but you also don't want to just fix the thyroid. You want to fix everything else because the thyroid's really not the problem. It's everything else that goes with it. So hopefully in the next, um, let's see, uh, three lectures here. So it's uh, three 30 minute lectures. Uh, they're separate, so you can watch them separately, but they're made to, of course, watch together. Um, I hope I can convince you that, and also that if you have any multi-system disease that, or uh, if you just have Hashimoto's, you have, you have multi-system disease. If you have multi-system disease, you know, look at the thyroid that you're almost always, I mean, I want to say always, but uh, there's always exceptions, but you're low thyroid. And for instance, so many terribly sick Lyme patients, they just can't get better. And they come to our office and, you know, everything's been done for them. We just give them T3 and voila, uh, they get better. That's certainly not the majority of them, but we we also see that. But it's part of that multi-system treatment. But I, I think you'll hopefully some new information and about how Hashimoto's and autoimmune thyroiditis is not as simple as we think. Um, so, uh, disclosure. So basically in full disclosure, I'm uh, chief medical officer of integrated peptides. So the opinions expressed are mine and mine alone. They don't reflect anything from integrated peptides. 
so we sell peptides as supplements, uh, highly tested, unique delivery methods. And any claims, there are no claims that uh, pertain to a particular product. Uh, I'm just talking about the classes of peptides and reviewing the literature. All right, and then you can see the FDA, what my attorney's gonna be put in there uh, on the right-hand side. So what are the goals and objectives? So understand thyroid physiology, including central hypothyroidism, local control of thyroid hormones, uh, genetic activity, autoimmunity, uh, cellular thyroid transport, and how these are affected by chronic illness. And really, and you know, if, for those of you that have heard me speak on thyroid before, and you know, published a number of review articles in our um, nonprofit National Academy of Hypothyroidism, nahypothyroidism.org, uh, we basically have you know. Uh, review articles and you know 500 references showing the way we are treating hypothyroidism, hypothyroidism in this country is wrong, diagnosing and treating, and that a normal TSH does not mean you have a normal thyroid. And we're taking a step further this time. We're going to look at autoimmune thyroiditis and see how that causes its own problems and is, a, is, and is another layer. And where immune modulation comes in, especially with this autoimmune thyroiditis. Um, so understand why TSH and serum thyroid levels often do not reflect the peripheral tissue thyroid of the cellular thyroid levels and cannot be used with any accuracy with any chronic illness. And it seems like everyone's chronically ill now. Everyone has multi-system illness. Um, you know, it's not a cocktail party or party. People come up and just say it's either themselves. I've been to so many doctors. I can't help myself or my daughter or my dad or, you know, with uh, dementias or anything you can do. We can do so many things and there's so many references. And the nice thing, uh, is that when, when you break it down, the core of, of these problems, of all these problems, aging is immune modulation and it becomes a vicious cycle. So, uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, to understand again, it's that Th1, so Th1 gets stuff inside the cell, Th2 gets stuff outside the cell. Again, everything's a gross simplification because it's so complex, we have to simplify it. Uh, TH1T reg, which is the kind of regulatory, keeps everything in balance. And the TH2, TH17, which more that autoimmunity, they're out of balance. And you'll see low uh, TH1T reg and high TH2, TH17. Um, and then it just goes, it becomes chicken or the egg. So these patients with this autoimmune thyroiditis, is they'll have it. You'll see interesting studies with children, huge incidents, even though they have no antibodies. So you don't detect it. Um, with obesity, that, okay, what's the chicken or the egg? Are they low thyroid because of obesity? And the endocrinologist won't treat them and say, oh, just they lose weight, they'll, their thyroid will be fixed. Well, they're not going to, they're, they're not going to lose weight without giving them thyroid. It's nuts. And if they die, their thyroid is going to get lower. So um, I don't know. 
so many things in medicine are, are backwards. So uh, we're gonna talk about it. So again, normal lab tests can be deceiving. Here's basically the, you know, kind of standard hypothalamus um, produces uh, thyrotropin releasing hormone, uh, tells the pituitary to excrete um, thyroid stimulating hormone, stimulates the thyroid to excrete mostly T4, which should then go in the cell, convert to T3, stimulate that cell and have normal metabolism. Now with any stress, chronic illness, chronic infection, uh, inflammation, chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, uh, PTSD, PMS, obesity, dieting, um, you know, you, you name it, uh, that what happens is the body starts, instead of converting T4 to T3, starts converting it to reverse T3, which blocks the thyroid. But we're going to talk about even more important aspects of all this sickness that causes low thyroid, poor mitochondrial function, central hypothyroidism. And you want to treat, basically, I will tell you that 99% of your chronically ill patients and just aged patients are low thyroid. Um, you know, even though their so-called standard blood tests are normal. And if you're struggling with depression, um, again, uh, you know, any, any fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue syndrome, any uh, chronic inflammatory disease, uh, Alzheimer's, neuro neurodegenerative diseases, can't lose weight, you're low thyroid until proven otherwise, because, um, basically, uh, if I were to guess and bet, you're I'm going to be right 90 plus percent of the time. So what if standard blood tests miss 50 to 90% of patients with low thyroid? Now, if you find that healthy patient who is not stressed, is not exposed to toxins, pesticides, mold, uh, you know, has no emotional stress or, or any issues, uh, no inflammatory conditions, no mold exposure, then the TSH might be fine. But I know when we're doing now, we're, we're testing our products with metabolomics, uh, uh, with, uh, which are looking at multiple small uh, peptides and proteins in response to um, treatment that, how do you find a normal person? It's, it's scary and it's getting bad. So majority of patients will be low thyroid and these standard tests miss up to 90%. And it's leaving so many patients with, you know, whether it be, you know, chronic Lyme, obesity, diabetes, huge. They're all low thyroid um, and just aging, cardiovascular disease, low thyroid. Um, other things, but they also have this immune dysfunction. So fix the, uh, fixing the immune dysfunction is even more important than giving thyroid. Uh, and this is coming from, well, I can't put I'm saying it because I've been lecturing on thyroid for so many years and basically it was initially saved my life and then immune modulator saved my life. So, um, uh, we'll, we'll see all that and hopefully I'll convince you of that. So here I took all the data from uh, all these studies uh, down here. And when you look at the, um, 
TSH here, for instance, it drops as you get older. Okay, so yes, in a chronologist, what does that mean? Well, their thyroid's getting higher. Really? Okay, T4 doesn't change, and we'll talk about why that happened. But the free T3 is going down. Is their thyroid really getting better? I don't think so. So, um, and the, the T4 doesn't change because of mitochondrial dysfunction, which, which we'll talk about. But uh, yeah, so the TSH goes down. TSH is, is different than every other part of the body. And it's probably the worst tissue, the worst gland to determine the, the, your body's thyroid level. So I um, was told to have a case study. And so here's one, a uh, 42 year old woman comes in complaining ability to lose weight, ongoing depression. She's on antidepressants, fatigue and muscle pain. She's been diagnosed with fibromyalgia, bipolar, uh, bipolar depression and type two diabetes. Um, she's on metformin and Effexor, uh, Vicodin for pain and Lipitor, which you only want to put in the water. She's tried numerous antidepressants uh, with without any effect uh, or benefit. She has TSH of 1.2. Okay, they go, oh, you're fine. And even Stanford endocrinology won't see you unless your like, TSH is above 10. Like, what kind of specialist is that? Like, okay, if it's the easiest case, I'll take it. Um, free T4 on the upper limits of normal and free T3 on that little lower end. So, you know, people just look at that and go, oh, you're fine. Are you really with all those other symptoms? So keys to understanding thyroid in all peripheral tissue studies show that any sickness, chronic inflammation, uh, you get mitochondrial dysfunction and immune dysfunction, which again, that TH1, I'll just to shorten it, I'll say TH1, TH2 shift. Um, there is a uh, conversion, a decrease in T4 to T3 conversion with a down-regulation deionase type 1. Okay, so deionase type 1 converts T4 to T3 in, in the body in, in general, and an increase in reverse T3, which is activation of uh, deionase type 3. So in the periphery, Dianase type one is, is basically suppressed. So you have less T4, T3 conversion. So less active thyroid hormone, but Dianase type three is increased. So you get more T4 to reverse T3. And look in the textbook says, oh, it's just an inactive metabolite. No, it blocks the thyroid, decreases T4, T3 conversion, lowers metabolism. Uh, it's an, it's an anti-thyroid. Um, it's actually uh, more potent than the medications we give for, for hyperthyroidism. Now the pituitary has what's called type 2 deionase, and it's much more efficient than deionase type 1. It basically does not, is not affected by anything. It just keeps pumping T4 to T3 and actually goes up in times of stress and sickness. And uh, so like anything, let's say you have 
emotional stress too is probably the worst. And, and with my story, that's what, what killed me um, is will really cause immune dysfunction, mitochondrial dysfunction, um, and, and really kind of set this vicious cycle, which is a problem because then the doctors goes, oh, you're a stressed out woman, da, da, da. Um, but all these things, and here's the references here, depression, dieting, if you diet more than a, uh, uh, you know, two times studies show your metabolism drops, your thyroid drops, um, and your body, uh, basically your brain tells your body to store fat. Uh, and if you go back to normal eating, it doesn't go back to normal. So you've got to intervene. You have to give T3. Uh, leptin resistance, if your leptin is above 12, um, uh, you have this whole syndrome going on. Insulin resistance, obesity, diabetes, autoimmune disease, uh, any systemic illness, chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, chronic pain, exposure to toxins, pesticides, plastics, mold, uh, major problems. So all these things cause a vicious cycle. So the presence of these conditions, there's reduced tissue levels of T3, except the pituitary. The pituitary sees more T3. So the TSH, because pituitary sees more T3, the TSH drops. So we're taught in medical school that thyroid's easy. If your TSH is high, so the pituitary doesn't see thyroid, uh, it raises the TSH. If your TSH is low, it means your thyroid's high. If it's normal, it's normal. Wish that were true, it's not that simple. So what happens is it actually works, especially with chronic illness, is that the TSH goes down. Normally, you would say, as the TSH goes down, your thyroid levels are going up in the body but it's the opposite. TSH goes down, the thyroid levels in your body are going down. So it's, again, it's the worst tissue to, to judge your overall thyroid status. While other forms of hypothyroidism are common, and if, if you ask endocrinologist, uh, what's the most common form of hypothyroidism, they'll say, Hashimoto's, uh, they're totally wrong. It's one of the least common, but it's the only one that they can detect. So for them, it is the most common. And, um, and with, especially with chronic illness, those tests will miss up to 80%. So again, the pituitary is different than every other part of the body. They have different diatonases. So they have uh, diatonase type two. They don't have deionis type three, so they don't make reverse T3, which, which again blocks the competes for the, the reverse T3 competes for the thyroid receptor. It lowers T4, T3 conversion, uh, has numerous other, it lowers actually um, transport into the cell, but the pituitary doesn't have to worry about that. It has different thyroid transporters that are not very energy dependent. So low energy states, diabetes, chronic fatigue syndrome, chronic infections. The rest of the body can't bring the thyroid into the tissues, into the cells, but the pituitary has no problem. It has high sensitivity receptors that are resistant to blockage. For instance, drinking out plastic water bottles, the BPA will block the thyroid receptors in the periphery of the body, but not in the pituitary. 
So pituitary is fine, TSH is fine, but the rest of the body, all the receptors are, are being blocked. Um, it's also uh, will block the androgen receptors, very estrogenic. Um, T3 levels in the pituitary, actually inverse correlation, okay, um, uh, with the peripheral tissues and with chronic illness. And as mentioned, does not have dionysus type three, so no reverse T3. And the pituitary will maintain or increase its T4, T3 uh, conversion in low energy states and chronic illness, while the rest of the body is starving for thyroid. Um, and so again, it's the, the worst tissue to do that. So, so here, here's a diagram that I hope helps because I know it's just like, what the heck did you say? And you look at all these conditions in, in the middle where, uh, whether it's an in, inflammatory, just even just dieting, depression, inflammation, you know, anxiety, emotional stress is, is a big issue, obesity, uh, just aging, you know, uh, uh, chronic infection, terrible. So let's look over here. Let's, let's go to the right what happens is this will cause your type one deiodinase to will decrease, type one deiodinase will be suppressed, um, decrease T4, T3 conversion in the cell, um, but it will actually stimulate type three deiodinase, which will increase T4 to reverse T3, which also blocks the T3, which also blocks T4, T3 conversion. So now this cell is hypothyroid, is, is hypothyroid. But on the other side, the left-hand side, the pituitary with all these conditions, type two deiodinase is stimulated. And we'll also talk about Hashimoto's, uh, high incidence of an antibody against type two deiodinase, which actually stimulates it. So it makes it worse. Um, so with all these conditions, the type 2 deiodinase works the opposite and it's increased. So now you have increased T3 levels in the pituitary and you get a reduction in TSH even though the rest of the body is starving for thyroid. Even though we told the medical school low TSH equals the body is high thyroid, if anything. So here's just a quote, the production of thyroid hormone is regulated by the classic hypothalamus pituitary thyroid axis, where the biological activity of thyroid hormone, i.e. the availability of active T3 uh, for the nuclear receptor is mainly regulated at the tissue level by um, idothyronine deiodinases and thyroid hormone transporters. Okay, so that's where your body controls the thyroid at the local level. Serum levels will give you an idea, but they can really lead you astray with chronic illness. Um, here's showing the level of type, type one uh, deiodinase, a sensitive marker for peripheral thyroid status. So the level of production of type one deiodinase is a better marker than these serum levels. So here's just looking at CRP, very nonspecific inflammatory marker. This is in the normal range, 0.4 to two. So if you have a level of two, doctors say, oh, yeah, you're fine. You're 
you're okay, you're within the normal range. But you look at the level of free T3, look at the direct slope down uh, production of T3 just from um, basically the increased CRP within the normal range. A lot of studies show that. So in order to have biological activity, T3 it must uh, cross into the cells, right? Makes sense, gotta go in there. And endocrinologists, doctors, I'm gonna keep bagging on endocrinologists, but this is what they're taught, is that it just, whatever's in the serum is what's inside the cell. It just diffuses in the cell. But that has been disproven since 1960, but it's still taught in medical schools and it's active transport. And I'll show you some graphs that I've done and in, in studies that as soon as you get less um, cellular energy, i.e. mitochondrial dysfunction, which you see clearly in chronic fatigue syndrome, depression, you know, any inflammatory disease, aging, um, that you're not able to bring in T4 and T3, especially T4. T4 is more energy dependent than T3 into the cell. So it's completely wrong, but it's still taught. So the T4, T3 university, they have separate um, uh, transporters and uh, T4 transporter is more energy dependent than, than the T3. So giving T3 is why T3 works with chronic illness and the sicker the patient, the more they need T3 and the more straight T3 works better in those patients because the, the cells just don't have enough energy to bring in the T4. So you gotta give them T3. Now the T4 and the reverse T3 transporters uh, the same, very similar pharmacokinetics, pharmacodynamics. So if someone has high reverse T3, well, most doctors think, and good, very good doctors think, well, because it's increased T4 to reverse T3 instead of T4 to T3. And they're right, but that's not the major reason. The major reason is the reverse T3 is not getting into the cell because there's not enough energy. So if you have high reverse T3, it's telling you T4 is not getting into the cell. So don't give T4 and also they're low thyroid. And if you look at the T3 reverse T3 ratio in many, many studies, it showed to correlate with longevity, uh, vitality, uh, you know, sickness, morbidity, uh, cardiovascular disease, uh, you name it. And that ratio is key. Now, when they were using the radioactive amino assay, it correlated much better and the reference range is much wider. Now they use the LCMS, the uh, liquid chromatography mass spectrometer, and they kind of crammed all the reference range together. So it's not quite as useful that um, you know, that uh, ratio, but everyone wants a number, but I'll give you some numbers, but it's not like that. It's not medicine, it's a continuum. So, um, uh, 
So again, the pituitary, again, has totally different transporters uh, that aren't energy dependent and they'll actually increase thyroid uptake in low energy states. So with low mitochondrial function. And so the TSH goes down as the person gets sicker rather than up as you would think it would. So this just shows that the uh, a study showing that the pituitary and the liver uh, completely different um, transporters. Uh, so how do you tell if you have reduced thyroid transport? Um, you know, a high reverse T3 is going to tell you that you're not transporting T4 in, into the cell. And so do not use T4 in those patients. It doesn't make sense. Also SHBG, which I'll talk to on the third part of the lecture about how to use that as another useful tool. And all these labs are, don't hang your hat on any particular lab is you wanna paint a picture and, and get a number, as many different data points as you can. Uh, so high reverse T3 demonstrates that there's uh, increased T4 to reverse T3. Um, and also the, T, uh, the T4 is not getting into the cell. So they um, also, um, you know, as the TSH drops, the T4 is gonna drop. So you're gonna make less reverse T3. So you have some competing um, things going on. So in terms of, you know, what the T4 level is. So we'll, we'll look at that. So a, um, for instance, a low normal TSH and a high normal T4, if you ask standard doctors at a normal lecture, will say, oh, that's, you know, the person's um, high thyroid end. No, it's a marker for low the majority of time. Um, and so here's a uh, taking from the data. When you look here on the, the top graph here, this is the percent drop in cellular energy. So mitochondrial dysfunction, for instance, chronic fatigue syndrome. Uh, one study found, I think it was 71 patients. They all had mitochondrial dysfunction and no one even crossed over in the normal range. So you'll see that um, they have significant with the cell danger response with uh, studies by Navio with Lyme and mold toxins and sears and all these things. So you get mitochondrial dysfunction very quickly and it starts a vicious cycle. So um, with even just small levels of reduced cellular energy, you get a very fast reduction in the transport of T4 and a very fast reduction in transport of reverse T3. Was T3 reduces, but it's more linear. So you're still gonna get reduced levels, but you're better off giving T3. And at the bottom, it kind of goes from, you know, mild to severe illness and how accurate, you know, TSH, T4, T3, and then the uh, T3 or free T3 reversity ratio actually uh, correlates very well throughout that range 
where the others, the serum levels do not, especially TSH does not. So the conditions associated with reduced mitochondrial function, impaired thyroid transport, um, and this immune dysfunction, again, insulin resistance, diabetes, dieting, uh, depression, chronic syndrome, cardiovascular disease, uh, even high cholesterol, um, you, heart failure, huge. All those patients need, need T3. So the standard blood test for thyroid, just forget it. Um, so because they have high pituitary levels, but they have low peripheral levels. And they have also, which is correlated with this, is that immune dysfunction. And the, um, and the immune dysfunction goes along, kind of becomes that chicken or the egg, where, um, you know, that causes that mitochondrial dysfunction, uh, which then causes the uh, poor thyroid transport. Then you get hypothalamic pituitary dysfunction, and then you get gut issues, and then you get, you know, basically brain issues. Uh, then you get immune activation of coagulation, uh, then add some toxins in there, and it's just a vicious cycle and sets everything on. You get mast cell dysfunction, you get autoimmunity, which we're going to talk about. So that high TH2 uh, causes, well, uh, which really TH17, which they thought was TH1, but it's on the TH more on the TH2 side, causes that autoimmunity. And most patients with um, Hashimoto's also have antibodies against um, mitochondria, um, against the pituitary, against the type two deiodinase, which but stimulates it. So looking here, when you look at serum levels, and here's the problem with serum levels, is in um, you look at T4. So T4 is kind of going to go up as you get sicker, because you're not quite as sick, but then it's gonna start going down because the TSH is going down. So because of the hypothalamic pituitary dysfunction, you're basically not stimulating the thyroid to make T4, so it starts going down. Um, reverse T3 goes up pretty quickly um, in response to any inflammation, which shows that the T4 especially does not get into the cell. And so you look and say, okay, what's the best marker for low thyroid? Well, free T3 looks pretty good, but even better and reverse T3 looks pretty good if you did a ratio between those two, right? And I switched over to T3 instead of free T3 because all the people freak out about because the um, units are different. So, um, which I'm fine with. But again, I'm not big into numbers, but uh, here's showing, you know, they say, oh, reverse T3 is just an inactive metabolite. So they had cells, they basically bathed them, they you know, exposed them to reverse T3. It blocks cellular up uptake of T3 by 34% and T4 by 23%. This study is actually opposite of most studies where it's usually uh, T4 is much higher than T3, but this study showed that. Um, but it blocks the uptake of T4, T3. Um, chronic fatigue syndrome and mitochondrial dysfunction. Uh, function. The authors found that all 
of the CFS patients had mitochondrial dysfunction. And the degree of mitochondrial dysfunction correlated with the severity of illness, P equals 0 0.001. And only one in the 71 patients overlapped in the normal range, okay? So if you have chronic fatigue syndrome, you have mitochondrial dysfunction, which means you have low thyroid, which means you have HP axis dysfunction. It uh, means you have this whole vicious cycle of things going on. And doctors go, oh, all the tests are, you know, uh, you know, no tests show we think it's psychological. Um, and they say, oh, there's no tests that you can look at. You know, we'll do about 40 tests on a, on a sicker patient. Um, and we can pick out a chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, Lyme patient, Sears patient, um, based on these tests, mainly on the immune system, um, and how severe about 70 to 80% of the time. So, um, so it's commonly stated that, um, treatment, uh, reduced T4, T3 con, uh, conversion, transport and resistant is not shown to be beneficial. So they'll give like people in the hospital, um, you know, T4 and they don't do any better. Yeah. You're giving them the wrong drug. You're giving them the wrong hormone. Give them T4. It's not going into the cell. It's not converting to the active T3. But when you give them T3, they do dramatically better. And you can see all the references there. Um, so hundreds of peer-reviewed medical journals clearly show anyone with a chronic illness uh, does not have uh, normal thyroid levels despite having normal TSH and normal uh, serum levels. Uh, there's no simple test, but um, there's a number of things that you can do to prove, to paint a picture that the person is low. And, you know, just accepting the dogma of just looking at the TSH is, is goes against evidence-based medicine. Um, and, and doctors say, oh, it's just TSH, that's the endocrine society. You know, you look at levels of evidence, there's double blind placebo control studies, there's meta-analysis, there's case control studies, and then you get um, basic an anecdotal, um, uh, you know, case studies like, hey, this person did better. Um, what's below that? Our societal guidelines are worse evidence than saying, oh, I know this guy who got better with this herb or whatever, because, and the WHO and all the ranking systems agree with that uh, because it's shown to be true. They don't change their basically stance in decades. They all, they're very biased. They only look at, you know, one basically, uh, uh, you know, they only look at certain studies and discount other studies. And, you know, it takes most doctors are practicing, uh, Amazon Turtle Medicine showed that most doctors are practicing 10 to 20 years behind what's available in the medical literature. Uh, and it takes on average 17 years for a new therapy to get accepted or a new way of doing things such as thyroid accepted in the mainstream medicine 17 years. Why is that? One, standard doctors don't read medical journals. They don't, why should they? It doesn't, they can't change what they're doing anyways. But even more important that if you give a, a doctor 
you go to your endocrinologist, oh my God, I'm feeling so much better. I took thyroid. They go, oh, you shouldn't be doing that. Well, here's 10 studies, 50 studies showing what I'm doing is right. No, nope, nope. I don't want to read them. They'll throw them in the trash. And it's, um, it's interesting psychology, uh, the system, you know, the, the system is not made. It's made the doctors that care least in standard medicine make the most. And if a doctor starts believing in something, oh, but it takes 20 minutes, they're going to, you know, they're probably going to get chastised and maybe lose their position. So, um, it's their just want simple answers. Unfortunately, it's not that simple. And this is Leslie DeGroote, who is basically the godfather of endocrinology and, you know, who, I don't published, I don't know how many studies, but he says, you know, which really kind of non-thyroid illness we're talking about is not a thyroid problem. It's a, it's the rest of the body problem that it's a manifestation of hypothalamic pituitary dysfunction, which we talked about. And the uh, view of curve ev evidence, it should be treated. Okay, so they can't go against him uh, because he's their man. So here's, um, I wanna talk, uh, kind of switch gears. And again, uh, a little bit more towards the title, looking at autoimmune thyroiditis. So Hashimoto's, in this study, they had 34 Hashimoto's patients, 28 controls. They did fine needle biopsies. And they also looked at peripheral blood for the presence of HHV6. They found that uh, HHV6 um, variants, they had active 82% Hashi patients versus 10% of controls. Now, oftentimes, the Hashimoto's patients had active HHV6 in the thyroid, but it was not active in the periphery. So they had a hundred times higher load in the thyroid. And so again, it could be, you know, you won't find it when you do a blood test, but if you were to do a biopsy, but how many people can do a biopsy for, um, you're gonna find it very high an infection in the, in the thyroid. Other infections do this as well. And they also cause it to the thyroid cells to express class two antigens. So now the body looks at it as foreign and starts attacking it. So cause for autoimmune thyroiditis. And HV6 infected cells were shown to, uh, to alter mitochondrial dysfunction on neighboring cells and even distant cells. So it's creating these uh, inhibitors of mitochondrial dysfunction and increasing reactive oxygen species and this kind of cell danger response where it's just pumping out uh, all these oxidants. So, and senescent cells and things, which is a whole other lecture. But it's also found with CMV, um, all the herpes viruses, parva 19, uh, they all like to go to the thyroid. And you find it in Hashi, but not Graves, which is interesting. Um, and EBV infected um, beta cells have been shown to secrete antibodies to the TSH receptor even. 
So most doctors and, you know, again, endocrinologists feel that thyroid is easy. If TSH is high, your thyroid is low. If TSH is low, your thyroid is high. And that, you know, if you want to look for Hashimoto's, and most endocrinologists honestly will not look for Hashimoto's because they don't think they can do anything about it, which is crazy. So they don't, they won't check for the, you know, two standard tests for Hashimoto's, TPO antibody and antithyroglobin antibody. Um, but they feel they can't do anything. So what's, what's the use? They'll just wait till thyroid gets bad enough and then they'll give thyroid. But it's shown that monitoring the immune system and getting rid of that Hashimoto's actually makes the patient feel better than if you give them thyroid. Now, modern the immune systems also give them more thyroid, but, um, and I love T3, love, 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 love. And, um, but modern the immunity and giving thyroid, you're going to get these sick patients that you're like, God, I just can't get this patient better. Um, use those two things. And it's just miraculous oftentimes. Um, so the conventional thought is not, again, not even check and just wait till the TSH goes up. Um, so, you know, really black and white, you know, typical algorithms. So, you know, again, they'll wait till TSH is above five or some people 10. Um, so it's, it's crazy. Um, so they don't think there's even effective treatment, but there are so many immune modulatory LDN, and we'll talk about peptides, LDN. Um, and you got so many lectures on LDN, so I wasn't didn't want to go into all the um, ins and outs and mechanism of action of LDN, because you're probably hear it a number of times. So, you know, so many patients, how many patients is this do you see? Complain of low thyroid symptoms, depression, weight gain, insulin resistance, chronophagism, fibromyalgia, constipation, um, and they'll get medications for these and but say, oh, your thyroid's fine, but they're not. Um, and this study by the Lancet, okay, probably number one journal in the world, I, I, I would argue. Um, they just did thyroid biopsies on people with fatigue, not cr even chronic fatigue syndrome. They found 40% of these people had lymphocytic thyroiditis. So they had inflammation of the thyroid even though 60% of those did not have anti-TPO or anti-thyroglobulin antibodies. Um, or, and they had also a normal TSH. So most of these patients would go undetected. Uh, undetected and also showed that they gave them all thyroid regardless of their thyroid levels, of their serum thyroid levels, regardless of their TSH. And they found that they responded equally well regardless of their TSH and serum thyroid levels. Okay. So, you know, basically, so when someone has these symptoms, why symptoms are so key you know, therapeutic trial of, of thyroid. Um, and, uh, and you'll see they respond equally well. And, you know, this study shows, hey, it's reasonable unless you're going to go biopsy a bunch of thyroids. Um, 
and uh, uh, so it we're missing so many people with low thyroid. So let's look at um, actually diagnosis of Hashi using antibody in obese children. So the incidence of Hashimoto's in obese children is extremely high. So in this study it was 60%. And where you get lean children, it's 1.2%. Okay, so you see a significant difference. Now, if they lose the weight, that often significantly improves because the immune system now gets basically that inflammation goes down. And so those antibodies stop being produced. And that's why all these autoimmune diseases, it's look at the immune system and modulate the immune system. And it's almost always with an autoimmune disease, a chronic infection that's driving it. Um, and, but they won't give them thyroid, say, well, they just lose weight. Well, they're not gonna lose weight when they have low thyroid. They have low metabolism, usually it's 25% lower. We check everyone's metabolism when they come in. Um, and any obese person is generally right around 25% lower metabolism than normal. Um, and so they're gonna have to eat 25% less just to stay normal which is about 500 calories a day. So they're gonna have to kind of starve themselves just to stay normal. And then as they diet, it's gonna lower their metabolism more. Um, and I see this so much with children and you have an obese child, what's the risk they're gonna be an obese adult? It's like 90%, it's a death sentence. So why don't they treat it? I don't know. Um, and they really need to be treated with T3 and you'll see ADD go away. You'll see behavioral problems go away. Um, and uh, it's preventing them suffering from lifelong morbidity and early mortality. And again, Hashimoto's thought to be the most common cause of hypothyroidism, destruction of thyroid. Um, studies show that the presence of Hashi uh, and the associated immune dysfunction has uh, more effect on symptoms of thyroid. So fix the immune system, you're going to have even a better effect than giving thyroid. So in this study, 426 women scheduled for thyroid surgery uh, for goiter. Um, no one had cancer. They examined the relationship between the quality of life and uh, regards to the diagnosis of thyroiditis and TPO antibody levels, okay? So they found that the thyroid function tests were not different between those and Hashimoto's. Uh, some were on thyroid replacement, the average TSH is 1.6, but they found those with the positive TPO antibody reported significant higher prevalence of symptoms, including fatigue, weakness, irritableness, dry hair, nervousness, dysphagia, uh, lower quality of life, um, and more likely to have a history of breast cancer, early miscarriage. And we have so many patients that come in and have done so many in vitros and they can't get pregnant. And you give them T3 and some heparin and some epitalin and uh, boom, they get pregnant naturally. Um, but 
you know, really physical functioning, mental health, um, totally different. So the level of TPO correlated with the total number of symptoms while the levels of thyroid did not. Um, and TPO levels were the highest in those with six or more symptoms. Uh, the immune dysfunction, again, is shown to be more important and that's coming from me, which I love T3. So you do both uh, than thyroid replacement. And the studies there. So fibromyalgia has been associated with low thyroid levels. Um, and studies by Bennett out of, out of Oregon have showed that. No, that was the growth hormone studies. But, um, but a bigger contributor is this immune dysfunction and thyroid uh, autoimmunity, often uh, negative antibody Hashimoto's. So they have autoimmune thyroiditis, but the antibodies are negative. So in this study, 52 patients, 39 um, uh, oh, with Hashis, uh, uh, with, in, uh, uh, with Hashis, uh, with, uh, with, without subclinical hypothyroidism, so elevated TSH, but so-called normal levels, but there's no really such thing as subclinical hypothyroidism um, or just subclinical hypothyroidism, elevated TSH, but without Hashis, okay? They were matched to 37 patients with fibromyalgia and 25% and 25 uh, healthy controls. Testing included thyroid function tests, um, uh, multiple antibodies, fibromyalgia impact questionnaire, uh, pain severity evaluation, um, numerous analog studies. They found that the fibromyalgia core mobility is found in 31% of Hashi patients and none of the subclinical hypothyroid patients. Okay, so even though they have the same thyroid levels, again, they were very different phenotype in that the ones with Hashimoto's had fibromyalgia. And if they did muscle biopsies, okay, they uh, found capillary alterations, they found um, uh, uh, capillary inflammation, uh, infiltrates, um, and which correlated with the thyroid autoimmunity, um, and again, also attacking uh, the muscle structure and the uh, mitochondria in the muscles. So very important. Um, if you have Hashi and even if you don't have the antibodies, you these patients have tons of autoimmune disease. So the incidence of anti-pituitary antibodies in 30 women with postpartum thyroiditis compared to 21 healthy controls. So anti-pituitary antibodies were found in eight out of 30 postpartum thyroiditis patients, so 26%, so a significant amount, and only one in normal pregnancy. Um, the anti-pituitary antibodies increased uh, in postpartum uh, depression. Uh, two of the eight were found to have low IGF-1 levels, 36 and 45 was really low. So it was shown that these antibodies that Hashimoto's patients, but you can't check for those. There's no clinical lab that does it, but we're gonna find it's even higher in some studies, at least a fourth of them 
have antibodies against their pituitary, which is causing low other hormones, whether it's growth hormone, um, they have HPA axis dysfunction, so you know, low adrenal function, um, estrogen progesterone are all screwed up. Uh, so all these things. So treating with immune modulation to lower these autoantibodies, these patients do so much better than if you just give them thyroid. So treating that underlying cause. So uh, I mentioned, you know, the basically patients with autoimmune thyroid disease, high incidence of anti-pituitary antibodies, but they also have a higher incidence of anti-type 2 deiodinase antibodies. So you would think, so type 2 deiodinase in, in the pituitary convert T4 to T3, well, they have lower T4 to T3 conversion, so the TSH would go up. But it just happens this antibody stimulates T4 to T3 conversion. And this was positive in 34%. So over a third of Hashi patients had these antibodies. Okay. Um, uh, of these type 2 deiodinase. So it activates it and suppresses the TSH even more. And just quote, D2 activity was strikingly elevated in Hashimoto's disease. So anyone with Hashimoto's giving thyroid to normalize the TSH is an inaccurate method that does not uh, basically follow the evidence because these patients have a suppressed TSH and you're going to have to suppress the TSH likely to get normal levels of thyroid in the periphery of the body. So if this, you know, this study here, and there's many, many more, you know, shows that the standard thing of someone with Hashimoto's giving Synthroid until their TSH is normal when they have Hashimoto's is a wrong approach, okay? Um, here's 11 uh, Hashi patients underwent complete thyroid status, neurological assessment, along with determination, exercise lactate, uh, anaerobic threshold and muscle biopsies and mitochondrial transcription factors. And so they really looked at the mitochondria. All patients showed that they had mitochondrial dysfunction. Um, uh, four suffered from overt hypothyroidism, seven had so-called subclinical. All patients on electromyography uh, showed myopathic changes. So muscle changes in the form of small amplitude and duration motor unit potentials. Um, so all these Hashi patients had basically muscle disease, mitochondrial disease. And they also go into anaerobic metabolism due to the mitochondrial dysfunction much faster. And you can see, so these are Hashimoto's patients um, and the lactate levels go up much quicker than normals with exercise. So they reach that anaerobic threshold much faster and multiple abnormalities are found on muscle biopsies, again, mitochondrial dysfunction. Um, they could not compensate for the increased demand. 
In this study, let's look at SIBO. 50 consecutive patients with history of hypothyroidism, secondary Hashimoto's were enrolled. 54% of hypothyroid Hashimoto's patients demonstrated a positive results in breath test. Uh, so 54% versus 5% of healthy controls. The thyroid levels did not change when you fix the SIBO. So it also goes, you know, there's the gut brain X, the gut affects the brain, really affects the whole body, but the brain also affects the gut. So treatment with thyroid, especially T3, is shown to reduce. Now, thyroid itself is an immune modulator. So it's shown to reduce thyroid and pituitary antibodies um, regardless of whatever the TSH is. So, you know, uh, anyone with Hashimoto's should be given thyroid, uh, T3, and should be given immune modulators, LDN peptides. So they had 33 normal thyroid Hashimoto's patients, randomized two groups, one received thyroid um, and the other had no treatment. Initial thyroid function tests, autoantibodies, um, ultrasounds, fine needle biopsy and peripheral uh, lymphocyte subsets were similar in both. After 15 months of thyroxine, okay, not the best, but they're actually getting some. There was an increase in T4, okay, you would think that, a significant decrease in TSH, but they also had decrease in antithyroglobin and TPO antibodies. And the ultrasound showed a decrease in thyroid volume, um, where the ones without treatment had an increase. So all Hashimoto patients should be treated regardless of their thyroid levels. So inclusion prophylactic thyroid hormone replacement can be used in patients with Hashimoto's thyroiditis, even if they are euthyroid, even though they're not euthyroid, but they look euthyroid. Um, and treatment with thyroxine reduces thyroid volume um, and may prevent goiter development. And uh, that's it for section one. Uh, thanks for listening. And um, hopefully you'll catch us for section part two. Thank you. Any questions or comments you may have, please email me, linda, L-I-N-D-A, at ldnrt.org. I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for joining us today. We really appreciated your company. Until next time, stay safe and keep well.